Welcome to Baby Tour Guide's Montessori Babies podcast. I'm your host and baby tour guide, Bianca Solorsano, and for the last decade, I have dedicated myself to helping parents, educators, and caregivers optimize baby development through a Montessori lens. This podcast is all about evolving our Montessori practice to make our time with our sweet babies easier, relaxed, and so much fun. Let's jump into it. Hi guys, welcome to season two, episode 25 of our Montessori Babies podcast. It is crazy to me that we are 25 episodes in of our second season, and I want to start out by just kind of giving you guys a giant virtual hug and happy holidays, and I'm just, you know, constantly so grateful to be in this community with all of you guys. You know, I know we all have similar missions and are implementing Montessori with our babies in ways that works for us and I'm just so honored to be a small part of your day. This episode is very special. I had the pleasure of talking to Sarah from Real Life Monty Mama. You probably have heard of her on Instagram. She has this amazing account where she shares her Montessori journey with her girls. And in our conversation, she shared what it was like going from one to two children in a Montessori home, doing Montessori with, you know, one children versus two children. And it was just such an amazing conversation. I genuinely had so much fun talking to her. It felt like we've been friends for a long time. So I'm just so excited for you guys to hear it and, you know, to learn some incredible stuff from her. So before we jump into that conversation, I wanted to first start with our quote for the week, which is by Dr. Montessori. It's from her 1946 London lectures. And she said, There are different periods in life where we can acquire different abilities. Little children can do things that older ones are no longer capable of. Children from birth to six years have a power that we no longer have for they're at the age of creation. So the reason I wanted to start with this quote is because talking about the different periods having different abilities, even within the first, you know, six years of life, two children who are two different ages are going to have different needs, but also learning abilities and, you know, everything's going to be different even though they're young children, right? So one of the benefits of Montessori is that in the environment, it's encouraged to have children of multiple ages. So like if you go into a school setting, if you guys ever tour a school or maybe you you know know someone who has a child at a school, you'll often see mixed age groups. The traditional mixed age classroom is a three-year cycle for the primary classroom or the children's house classroom. It's a three-year cycle. And then for infant toddler, it's the same thing. Mind you, a lot of times, you know, when schools start up licensing, getting your rooms approved by your state and all of that, they usually have, you know, certain requirements for certain ages. So oftentimes you'll see infant toddler split or you'll see an infant class and then an, you know, new toddler class and then an older toddler class. And, you know, so you might see stuff like that for infant toddler. But the idea is to have mixed ages. So like when I was in the classroom, we had mixed age as in baby young toddler. So it was zero to 18 months. Typically they would move up around 18 months. They were usually very ready by that time, but we were licensed until two. So if for whatever reason, you know, the child would benefit from staying in the class, then we had that option. But there are so many benefits from mixed age spaces. And so I was so excited to talk to Sarah about what the mixed age environment is like at home when there is the prepared environment and when when the older child has been taught, you know, Montessori principles and what that looks like, including a second child. And so I was just so, so excited to pick her brain and it was truly enlightening. So I also wanted to mention that just before I hopped on here, I just finished making our winter language 
language cards for our Montessori Babies course. I am so excited. I'm about to send them out just after I finish recording here. <laughs> and so now they have a fall set and a winter set. There's all of the standard cards already too. I added in the Montessori infant toddler language cards that I had used over the years um, into the course. So it's something that you get to download for your baby as well. And I added a fall set this fall. I added a winter set and then I'll be doing spring and summer and kind of keeping those uploaded in the course as well. So I just thought I'd mention that because they turned out so lovely. I'm going to print them out for my son this weekend and rotate them in. And I'm just so, so excited because, you know, the winter stuff is everywhere now. So getting to kind of work on that language, it's, it's kind of using, you know, what's around, what he's exposed to and offering the language for that. So I'm so excited to do that. I wanted to mention too, that just like I said in the last episode, I extended the Black Friday sale. So you can enroll in the Montessori Babies course for only $97 and it is usually $252 through December 31st. You have this option. I decided to make it just a longer sale because I know at least for me, a lot of the mad rush of emails and Black Friday and holiday shopping and everything, things can get lost. But I really just want you to know that this is an option for you. Just have it in the back of your head and it's there waiting for you throughout the season. But it does expire on New Year's Eve. And those of you who are new to the show, the Montessori Babies course has everything you need to implement Montessori from birth through toddlerhood broken down by major stages of development because infancy is very complex and beautiful and a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from the incredible global community of wonderful Montessori mamas is that it offers you know just a world of confidence for their parenting journey they get to find their own rhythm and flow because they know exactly how to support their baby's development through Montessori so definitely check that out I will have the sale linked in the show notes and before jumping into the interview, I thought I would tell you a little bit about Sarah. So she sent me her bio, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. She said, hello, my name is Sarah and I am a registered nurse, Montessori-inspired mom to two girls and a recent positive discipline parent educator. I started implementing Montessori principles at home when my eldest was roughly 14 months old and it's been a truly transformative experience. A few years ago, I started an Instagram page sharing our real-life Montessori moments and have since then had the opportunity to connect with amazing parents, carers, and educators within the field of interest. One thing I hope to create is a community that feels safe to learn and grow together. I do believe change is possible and it all starts with us. So I am going to go ahead and jump right on into the interview. We are chatting all about going from one to two Montessori babies. So let's take a listen. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show. I am so, so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So can you start by just telling our audience a bit of your history in Montessori as well as what you currently do so they can get to know you a bit? Yes. So I first learned about Montessori when my daughter was roughly a year old. At the time, my twin sister was looking for bedroom ideas for her little one, and she came across a Montessori-inspired bedroom. She showed me the picture, and my first impression was, wow, this room is really nice. There's a lot of child-sized furniture. And honestly, I thought at the time Montessori meant child-sized furniture because I, I didn't really know anything about Montessori at the time. So she stumbled upon the HEPA family on YouTube and thought it would be interesting for me to check her account. So I watched a few of her episodes and that's pretty much how I got into Montessori. And that was nearly four years ago. Wow. Yeah. And um, 
And when I was watching the YouTube video, there was suggestions on, you know, resources and books. And one of them that popped up was the Montessori toddler book by Simone Davies. And Mm -hmm. of course, I was like kind of excited to start diving into it. So I clicked the book and added to my Amazon, you know, shopping Mm -hmm. cart, got the book. I was I was excited about diving into it and learning all about it. But then, you know, life got busy and it ended up sitting on my shelf for a few months, actually. Eventually, I carved out time to read a few pages, uh, a little bit every day. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is a different way of parenting and seeing babies, toddlers, and life in general. This way of life was so different than what I was used to. And um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sure others can relate, but it didn't feel very natural at first when I was, you know, reading and learning about it. And it did take a lot of time to unlearn and relearn things. But as with any new skill, it takes a lot of time and practice and eventually it got more natural. And I I really do feel like it's part of who I am today. And so much so that I wanted to share my journey on Instagram with other parents and carers who might be also interested in starting their own journey. Because I know how overwhelming it can be. There's just a lot of information out there. And I mean, at the time, I didn't have a community of my own. So it was a great way to connect with other people. And that's just pretty much how it, how it started. That's so awesome. I, I feel like there's such a relatable piece, you know, to to learning about it as a new parent. And so I think that's so beautiful what you're doing. Also, your pay, the tips that you share are like little tiny bits of info, but that are so applicable, you know, oh. like that people can oh. kind of take and use right away, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I hope awesome. so. I love that yeah. you do that. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know it could be really overwhelming and intimidating to start because a lot of times when we see it, we kind of just see the end result and we're just thinking, oh my gosh, this feels so overwhelming. How do we, Mm -hmm. how do we get started? Right. And, and that's also why I love your page and your content, you know, before I even, or before we even connected on Instagram, I listened to your podcast and I really enjoyed the information that you provided. I, I felt like it was very rich and approachable, safe, digestible, you know, oh, thank it was, you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely binge listen to your content. <laughs> uh, that's what I like to do on my spare time is just listen to podcasts, but yeah, your, oh, yours is that. one of my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. that's, that's really heartwarming to hear. I try my best to just share what I can and in a similar light, just so it can be pieces that you know, if it resonates with you, do it, you know? <laughs> and that's, yeah. And I, that's what I love about your, co- your content as well is a lot of times, you know, we feel like we need to be all or nothing, but I notice when I listen to your podcast, you do mention, this is the information at the end of the day, you really need to do what works best for you. And I really think that's a great way to improve accessibility to Montessori for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, right? I feel like <laughs> I I remember thinking when I was in the classroom we're going like slightly off topic of the questions but oh, yeah, sure. I remember thinking when I was in the classroom too that you know people come in also having their own different backgrounds you know mm-hmm. and you know some things might feel natural some things you know you might have to kind of get into a rhythm with and some things you might feel like well I don't know you know so but there's oh. just some a really beautiful I guess aspect to infusing the principles into what you're doing so exactly exactly and not forgetting that for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
So today we are talking all about the transition that happens in the Montessori family when you go from one to two children. And so for those of you who are looking to grow your families, I know this episode is going to be so, so helpful as to what it can look like adding another beautiful child into your family. So to start that conversation, would you mind describing how far apart in age your children are and what you feel like the biggest changes were when you went from one to two children? Yeah. So my children are 21 months apart and yeah, so (laughs) I would consider pretty close in age. (laughs) The biggest change for me was really learning to trust my capabilities and limits. When I first learned about Montessori, I felt this pressure to do everything by the book. I, I had this fear of you know, if I strayed away, if I messed up, something terrible was going to happen. Right. And I would, I remember feeling, you know, moments of discouragement Mm -hmm. and it was hard to get out of that mindset at times. So, and this again was when I first started learning about it and I didn't really have any real guidance in my journey. But once I started trusting myself and this happened when I started learning a little bit more about Montessori, I I realized that it really wasn't about perfection. It's about cultivating a growth mindset, letting go of preconceived ideas of how things should be and working towards creating a safe environment, not only for my children to learn and grow, but also myself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of this journey, not just for my children, but also for me, I feel like I, I grew so much just through this process. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And I love that you said, you know, as far as kind of allowing yourself the growth journey as well. I have one child right now, but going into it, I, I aligned with what you said as far as kind of allowing myself the growth process. I consciously knew that, but allowing myself to feel it was something else. You know, yeah. I had to like reel myself in and let myself feel it, you know? Yeah. So, definitely. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So on social media, I've seen a lot of people have, I guess, conversations and maybe sometimes even debates about whether going from zero to one child was harder or one to two children was harder. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, you know, I really think it depends. Yeah, I feel like everyone's situation is different and every child is unique. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand that even though our environment may be the same, more or less, our past experiences with our first child will influence our perception and behaviors with our second. Mm. We're kind of always growing in different, um, we're we're different people at different stages as well. I believe with this approach um, or with this question, we need to approach it with more of a holistic lens and consider where we are physically, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. I do think the challenges um, in needs from zero to one versus one to two are different. When we first become parents, you know, we're learning who we are in this new role and who we are to our child, much like our babies when they're discovering their world. Mm -hmm. Welcoming, you know, a second child, I felt more comfortable in my role as mom. Mm -hmm. Um, There were things that I was able to manage more effectively. For instance, diaper changes. Managing blowouts, you know, mm-hmm. outfit changes, bathing, packing my diaper bag, shopping for certain items. But the biggest challenge I would say from one to two was learning how to manage the needs of two different, very different developmental stages. And that is something that is hard to prepare for, a little bit hard to prepare for and requires some adaptability. Mm-hmm. 
that's my personal experience um, with it. But there was definitely things that I did that helped with it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, a word that stood out that you just mentioned was a holistic, like viewing it from a holistic lens. Again, you're you're the the expert on this. I have one child, but I feel like that's really good advice. <laughs> and yeah, I can imagine, you know, managing the needs of multiple children. And honestly, I can see how also like the Montessori principles would be really helpful on that and the mixed age space. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is perfect because you have your own little like Montessori playgroup almost, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's why I, understanding the fundamental principles, which I think you do a great job sharing that with your audience as well is so important because that is what's going to help guide you through all sorts of situations. So I really think that having a little bit more emphasis on that helps and will okay. help prepare you. Well, thank you. So what do you feel like the transition was like for, for your older child as you welcomed your younger child? And um, were there things that you did to support your older child as they welcomed their their younger siblings? So for those who are looking to do that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I felt like my eldest transitioned well and it was a positive experience. I did do a few things um, to help prepare her for it, which I found helpful. So a few things that I did was keeping her in the loop. Being honest and providing, you know, stage appropriate responses when my daughter would ask any questions. We had a few books about welcoming baby siblings and or baby sibling, and she enjoyed that. She was also showing intrinsic interest in taking care of, you know, baby dolls and, Aww. you know, bathing baby dolls and all that stuff. So it was, it was a good time to introduce all this stuff as well. Cause she was just naturally interested in it, mm. um, involving her in the process. So talking to the baby, helping prep, you know, small things like the diaper caddy, picking out clothes. I would say one of the things that I, f- I was very conscious of doing was preparing the environment Okay, during this stage, you know, they're, really wanting to exercise their independence. So naturally preparing the space was important for us. Mm -hmm. Small things like, you know, we assessing our space and making small changes over time to optimize independence within her capacity. Mm -hmm. So for example, adding low hooks, that Mm -hmm. was one of the first things we did was like add low hooks for aprons and her jacket, a mirror, lower a drawer in the kitchen for a few cups, plates, bowls, and cutlery. We did introduce a self-serving water station. Yeah. And her wardrobe, we had a very simple uh, wardrobe with a few items in each drawer that she can pick out herself and also her shelf activities. Um, Another thing is creating communal play space, Mm -hmm. which was our living room. And yeah, although we had a bonus room, you know, that was very rarely used because you know, as you shared in your podcast, babies and toddlers want to be close to their caregivers. And that's one of the ways that they develop trust. And I found that very true in our situation as well. So our communal play area was in our in our living room. Yeah, routine. Routine is always important, especially a few months before baby's born. Trying to stay as consistent as possible helps with the predictability trust that sense of order. Uh, Another thing that was really important was spending one-on-one time and before baby was born and after we were in a position of privilege because my in-laws 
live with us half of the year round. So that's huge. Again, everyone's situation is different. We had that extra help and that enabled us to have a lot of one-on-one time with my eldest. And again, my, my position at the time as a mom, I felt more confident or I guess I felt more confident in my position as mom to like let go a little bit and trust myself. So I think that really helped with the process. And, you know, once my youngest was born, involving her in whatever care that we could, that she was capable of diaper, grabbing diapers, helping wash, grabbing blankets, also helping with grace and courtesy, you know, telling her what she can do versus can't. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's huge, you know, like, and that's part of the, also like the prepared environment, you're going to be busy with the second baby. Mm -hmm. And during that time, your toddler might be wanting to explore the environment and they're sensory learners. They want to grab everything, touch everything. So it's really important to prepare that environment. So we're not telling them, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And especially when you're already a little bit more perhaps sleep deprived, (laughs) it's just, it's just another thing that you can do to help prevent saying too many no's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, telling them sure what they it helps can do. You settle too, like yeah, peace of mind. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I feel like if I didn't have a prepared environment, I would be running around so much more, mm-hmm. and you know, saying, "Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do this." You know, and it would just be exhausting, like mentally exhausting mm-hmm. on my end, and probably also, you know, for my children too. They'd be like, "Well, what what can I do?" You know, uh, I I just want to be able to explore my environment. So, and yeah, and and you know, through this whole process, I was still learning about Montessori child development, and I thought that that was really helpful because you know, when my youngest was born, my eldest was going through you know a sensitive period for order, and if I didn't recognize that, I would have responded differently. I think. Mm-hmm. So understanding a little bit more of childhood development and it really just helps us see our children through a different lens, a more empathetic lens. Yeah. And which is really important during this time because it is a huge deal adding another member to your family. Yeah. So having a little bit more understanding and being able to see our children through a more empathetic lens can really change the dynamic of everything. That's really great advice. Um <laughs> I loved, you know, the pieces where you were talking about how how much you were involving your older child. I think that's so beautiful, especially as they, like you were mentioning, their age difference, that they naturally seek autonomy as a young toddler, you know? And so that's just so beautiful. I remember some of my favorite times in my classroom, too, because I had a mixed age infant to young toddler classroom. And the young toddlers always wanted to help with the babies. It's so cool. And. I think it's great too, because, you know, with mixed age groups, the older child, even though they're young toddlers, they have that ability to model and mentor almost the younger, the little ones. And, you know, and then the younger babies and young, young toddlers can look up to the older toddlers. And it's just a great dynamic of learning from each other. And I got to see a lot of that as well, which was really nice. (laughs) So beautiful. So speaking of dynamic, <laughs> mm. um, how do you feel or if there's any, you know, little tidbits of info that you would be willing to share? How do you feel like your family dynamic evolved as you welcomed your second child? Ah, oh, family dynamic. You know, I think it's interesting because now I'm learning what it means to be a mom of two. And mm. I know that there's a lot of concern that I hear from other parents who are going from one to two that they're worried that they can't give the time enough time to their child and 
you know, life is busy and in honesty, your time is going to be split. And I think that is a legitimate area of concern that some people have. Mm -hmm. But what I do feel that is important is making your time with your child, not necessarily creating more time, but making it more valuable. Mm. And especially when time is limited. Part of this is learning also to trust myself and delegate needs within the family dynamic. So, you know, when we're involving our children in everyday life, especially with my daughter, instead of trying to create more time for her to do certain activities, involving her in the process and connecting with her during those periods of time, I think helped create a positive dynamic, especially when, you know, a young, young baby is going to need a different type of needs and attention than what your older child may need as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I love that there's like a really empowering aspect to the inclusion of the older child and like as they welcome the younger child i can imagine it's like a lot of oh thank you for grabbing that you know or just stuff like that where it's instead of like the nose it's like the welcomed inclusion you know If you're a new parent hoping to implement Montessori at home, you may be surprised to know that you will be spending the majority of your days fostering independence with your baby. Yes, even more than the Montessori toys, materials, activities, and furniture that you see on social media. And fostering independence is the easiest and quickest way to transform your parenting experience, bringing peace to your parenting as you optimize your baby's growth during their most crucial years of development. Plus, fostering independence is the most misunderstood Montessori concept for babies. That is why I am teaching my Montessori workshop on fostering independence from infancy to toddlerhood. In this 30-minute workshop, you will learn what it truly means to foster independence the Montessori way, plus you'll get the exact steps on how to foster independence with our non-mobile babies, our sitting, slithering, crawling, and cruising babies, and our young toddlers. This workshop is usually $9, but because my goal is to support you as much as possible, I am gifting it to you totally free. So, if you're ready to transform both your experience and baby's experience during their most crucial time in their developmental journey, click the free workshop link in the show notes. And now, back to our show. Yeah, I think so. And like, yeah, like I said, like time will be split. Things will be more stress, a little bit more stressful. Like for me anyways, I felt like it was a bit more stressful and prioritizing self-care was really important in order to become more adaptable during these unpredictable uh, times (laughs) of stress. So, you know, self-care and then instead of trying to create more time involving your children in activities of daily living so that, you know, your child does feel that sense of belonging in a family unit and you're connecting at the same time. So I feel like the family dynamic for us was more or less positive in that that regards because I feel like during that stage, she was so interested in participating in activities of daily living, which just felt more natural to just mm-hmm. include her in these things. So yeah. That's so beautiful. You naturally followed the child. That's so yeah, wonderful. There you go. I'm not <laughs> sure if I answered that question very well, but uh no, it was yeah. great. I, I fully understood <laughs> and loved everything you said. So what has been your favorite part about having two children or maybe some benefits that you've seen that you may not have known about before you experienced it? I love watching them interact and play together. you know they're yeah it's it's so much fun and they're at that stage right now where they could really communicate with each other and it's always an interesting conversation I mean even when my youngest was a baby and 
my eldest was, you know, a toddler, they were still communicating in the ways that they're able to. And I just love watching their dynamic and their relationship grow. I just remember, you know, seeing my eldest mentor my younger child Mm. and seeing my younger child or my youngest, I guess, uh, be receptive to it. There's this moment when I was trying to teach, um, I guess my youngest, how to put on socks and she was naturally showing interest in, you know, self-care, self-dressing and all that stuff. And my eldest would be right beside us helping model. And yeah, when we're on our way out uh, of the house, if my youngest needed help, my oldest one would be like, oh, trying to show her model and be there to help assist, which was really kind of endearing. And I just stepped back and I just watched it, you know, I just Mm -hmm. allowed that space for her to do it. And I've always been there, you know, close by in case, you know, they need help because as you know, independence is is grown through collaboration and a strong yeah foundation of dependence as well so yeah i think um i mean don't get me wrong they have their their own wills and disagreements at times and they have big emotions but i think having that foundation that montessori uh, foundation helps me navigate those big feelings uh, in a positive way so it makes me feel more like a calm parent as well. Like I can trust myself. I can do this. I can handle this. I got this, you know, (laughs) that's like the goal, the ultimate dream. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's days where I'm like, ah, but I feel like when I do feel like that, it's usually because a boundary needs to be set or I've somehow, um, I'm lacking in self-care. So usually when I ever, whenever I feel a little like tense or like more agitated, I'm like, Oh wait, wait a second. Like I need to do something for myself. A boundary needs to be set and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's very aware too. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's like, that's one of the things I love about Montessori is like you put emphasis into yourself and how you are, I guess, like involved in the experience, right? Like there's like an awareness of yourself and how can you be, you know, more settled. And I've definitely had those days as well (laughs) where I've Mm kind of noticed like, I need something else or, you know, (laughs) we need to get outside right now. (laughs) And I love that. I love how you mentioned like going outside because I always feel like when times are stressful and you feel like, oh my gosh, like I just can't, I can't handle this right now because I feel like we all have those feelings inside. It's more of just having those coping strategies to help recognize it and work Mm -hmm. through it. But going outside is amazing. Like, don't underestimate the power. It's magic. It really (laughs) is. Like, oh, all the like there's days where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel so stressed and overwhelmed. And like, I just I feel like I'm just running around all the time. Mm -hmm. The moment I'm like, you know what? Let's just go outside. I just feel automatically like so much more calm. And when I feel calm, I'm able to be, you know, that the more predictable guide for my children that you know we all strive to be so yeah it's it's important to do that (laughs) yeah absolutely I remember when I was in the classroom I mean I use that now all the time but when I was in the classroom and you know babies really feed off of each other's energy our classroom was right outside next to our playground so there were days I would just literally open the door like it would just be like everyone's feeling the feels and I would just open the door and I'd be like all right we're gonna be barefoot outside you know (laughs) like oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And just recognizing it like ahead of time. And yeah, I think that's, that's something, another strategy when you have two kids, great. Going outside as much as you can, like, (laughs) is so helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It helps the inside time too. Like after they're like, 
way calmer. You know, oh, yeah. they eat and take a good nap. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, exactly. So, of course, as far as Montessori goes, the general principles are, you know, generally the same regardless of age. Um, but what and how we offer materials environment and such varies by age. So do you have any tips for parents looking to support two different stages? So two siblings of different ages through Montessori at home? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's important to create an environment that allows both siblings to thrive and grow at their own pace while respecting each other's needs and differences. And this is an ongoing process with observation and adapting as their needs change. I think for siblings, zero to three, again, creating that prepared environment is really important. Presenting activities that cater to both age groups. Um, If you have a shelf a low-level shelf or a two-tier shelf. The top shelf can be dedicated to the older child. And the lower one can be dedicated to the younger child. Um, presenting stage-appropriate activities and so also securing loose items in a sealed container that the older child can manipulate themselves under supervision just so, you know, to maintain safety. We also had a few open-ended toys that were enjoyed by both my children. Um, These included, you know, balls, scarves, blocks, and these open-ended items, you know, they're used differently at different age groups. Mm -hmm. So for example, scarves can be used as objects permanence like peekaboo, Mm -hmm. you know, and then creative play for the older child. And blocks, for example, could be a way for your younger child to learn to manipulate objects with their hands, just um, strengthening their grasping. And then for an older child, they could be building focus and concentration as they stack the blocks. So those are different ways that you can incorporate activities while they're playing kind of parallel together. Yeah. Um, with the same material, uh, including circle time. So reading books, list, uh, poetry, listening to music and, and rhymes. Those are all great ways to engage both children in language and movement development, providing opportunity for older siblings to model activities. I think uh, I did a lot of this with my children too, taking more of um, a backseat and observing both of them interact. And I noticed that, yeah, my older sibling would teach the younger sibling certain things like how to do certain activities or if they needed help. And it was just really interesting to watch that mentorship skill, even at an an early age. Yeah. And as baby grows and they're able to sit confidently on their own and, and develop more of those gross motor skills, you can engage them in practical life activities. And I love practical life activities because I just feel like it's such a natural, I don't know, there's just a natural progression into practical life. And it's it's more so on us as adults of stepping back and allowing the time and the patience for that. And that's not always, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's not easy because Mm -hmm. of course we can do it so much faster. We can sweep the floor. We can wipe the table so much faster, but remembering that children have that intrinsic interest, intrinsic motivation, and they're not focused on the product. They're focused on the process when they're cleaning the table. It's not so much, I, I cleaned a nice, beautiful, clean table. I'm I'm developing fine and gross motor skills. I'm developing concentration. I'm developing that sense of belonging and agency, you know? So those are the types of skills that they're really learning in those moments. So being able to step back and allow time for that can be difficult, but totally worthwhile. And again, not creating new time for it, but just including them when while you're doing it is helpful. Totally. Yeah, That's so. Such good advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even for young babies, like having them on the floor with a little basin with some carrots that they can 
practice washing while your older child is maybe cutting a soft boiled carrot or apple or something with a, a wooden chopper. So those are different ways that you can include them in, you know, practical life activities that reflect their different developmental stages. That's one of the things that I love about Montessori. Um, so often it's perceived in this really, I guess, fancy light. Like mm. so often people feel like they won't be able to afford it, but, you know, literally giving them a carrot to wash, you know, is like a wonderful activity that benefits a variety of areas of development. So it's so cool. <laughs> it is. And I, I really do think the emphasis on the principle is so important. You know, the principle of real life, inc- improving accessibility. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we think of the prepared environment, we think of all these fancy things. And honestly, I got a bit trapped in that too when I first started learning about Montessori because I didn't really have anything else to refer to besides social media. Sure. But being in the situation that I'm in right now and practicing it for a few years, it really can be done with everything that you already have at home. Mm-hmm. You can either raise the floor or lower the ceiling. And if you don't have a way to raise the floor, we bring it down to the child's height. Mm-hmm. And one of the best investments that you could really give your child to prepare the environment is a stool. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a lot of space or or whatnot, we could have one stool, a foldable stool that we can bring around the house, right? So that's why I think it's so important to really put more emphasis on the principle because once you understand the foundation in the principle, we could work with what we have and it's absolutely 100% okay and 100% Montessori as well. So, yeah, absolutely. You know. That's pretty much what I'm doing. I just have a yeah. couple stools around and I mean, I do have um, like stuff that I've collected from my classroom over the years that I was excited to share with my son, but mm. yeah, just including them in the natural space as much as possible, you know? Yeah. And yeah, like not uh, necessarily adding more, but really just taking, it's more about taking stuff away versus adding more things to our space too. (laughs) Being more intentional with our space and the things that we present. But Mm -hmm. yeah, going back anyways to topic, uh, like another thing that we can do to help with both the child is modeling grace and courtesy and being Mm -hmm. consistent with your language. Like Mm -hmm. I remember growing up, some people would be like, oh, you have to give that to so-and-so because they're younger. Just give it to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, I try to be as consistent as possible. So if someone's take, if like my younger one's taking something, I'll model consistency on my response. And if my older one's taking something, I will do the exact same. So I really think that that helped. And starting at an, a young age, like early, um, I think really helps build that consistency um, for the child. So yeah, totally. I think yeah, I think that's that's the thing that's um for zero to three. But right now we're kind of entering that three to six age mm, group. And I do feel plain. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like it is a little bit different. They are wanting more of their separate space. Mm. So we are using the Montessori work mat to kind of help uh, line out their workspace. So they all have uh, their own area that they can work on. But we're also doing collaborative projects together. Like we did um, a germ activity that we could do together where we have like a bowl of water, not too deep, but just kind of like a, and then we added some pepper, 
put some soap on our fingertips and then we put our finger in the middle and you can see all the pepper, the germs kind of spread away. So I think that was a really good uh, science activity for them uh, that they could both do together now at this age group. So I think it's been a, it's a process I'm learning and I'm always going to be learning. So trying to figure out just like everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Yeah, that's it. Just try to survive and uh, learn along the way. Right. (laughs) So lastly, for a quick rapid fire question to end our show, do you have a current favorite Montessori activity that you're doing with your two two children? Um, I think right now I've always been a huge fan of practical life and mm-hmm. I have to say practical life. And in the sense of, you know, we have some shelf activities that help with practical life activities, either with tweezers or tongs or transferring or pouring, but it's, it's more of like getting out in the community now and helping with scanning food, looking for groceries together, mm. just involving them in daily tasks. And and they're at this stage right now where they they want to help. They have this eagerness to do it. So that's pretty much where we're, we're at right now. There's another activity that I'm engaged with both children that they're showing a little bit more interest in is also letter sounds. Oh, cool. Yeah. So for my older daughter, I'll practice letter sounds and sometimes I spy something that starts with a certain letter. Mm -hmm. But with my other daughter, I'll do I spy and not the letter sound, but I'll spy something and I'll say a certain color. So we're still playing I spy together, but it's just, again, catered to different uh, developmental stages. And they're really enjoying that right now. So yeah, practical life and some games that we're playing. But other than that, I feel like um, it's been a really authentic and natural way to build connection with my children. And again, what I like about it is you don't have to create more time or more necessarily for it. You could just involve them while you're doing it. So mm-hmm. that's been working for us anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Every home is different, but that's just a really beautiful example. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I you know, uh, listening to one of your podcasts, and you mentioned that the child needs that intrinsic interest to really be intrinsically motivated, I guess, in an activity. So I think that's a good tip to share with the audience too, is I know everyone's situation is different. And if your child's not naturally, I would say interested in it right now, it might not be the right time, but eventually, you know, so the importance of observing your child and following Mm -hmm. their lead is, is so important. And that is what's going to guide you. Your child is going to show you what areas that they need to be challenged in and what and where they need to be supported. So I can't stress enough the importance of observation because they will help guide you. Yeah, that is the perfect place to end it. That is great yeah. piece of advice. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the show. It was so nice chatting with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel super honored to be here. And I really look forward to, you know, listening more to your podcast and learning from this community and and really building a safe environment where we can learn and grow together. Absolutely. We're all on this wild journey. <laughs> we are. <laughs> And that was our interview with Sarah from Real Life Monty Mama. I will have all of her info linked in the show notes for you guys to check out. Her Instagram is just so wonderful and 
That is pretty much it for today's episode. I do want to say thank you to you guys for being so patient um, in my new episodes getting released. I am still trying to adhere to the bi-weekly schedule. Now, I know sometimes it gets to three weeks, but I am doing my very best and hoping that as my son continues to grow and we continue to get into our own rhythm, as I'm sure you guys are all feeling as well as far as the rhythm goes in new parenthood and new motherhood, that we will get back on or forward. I guess, on a more structured schedule. So anyway, that is it. I want to wish you guys a very happy holidays. It's crazy to think that it has been... I started this podcast during the pandemic. I had been listening to a bunch of different podcasts myself and then was like... This is a really awesome way to learn new info because you can have it playing while you're doing stuff. And I just feel like it's so perfect for new parenthood. So jumped on that and I'm just so grateful. It's led me to all of you. So, (laughs) But given that we are in December and we're closing out the year, I just want to say that I'm very, very, very thankful for you guys and just so honored to be even a small support on your guys' Montessori parent child development journeys with your babies. So I hope you all have a very, very happy holidays and I will catch you in our next episode. Bye. Hey, it's Bianca, your baby tour guide here, hopping back in to say thank you again for listening to this episode of our Montessori Babies podcast. If you found this episode helpful, I would absolutely love if you would screenshot this episode and share it in your stories and tag me at baby tour guide. Also, leaving a review is really helpful in helping other parents and caregivers find our show. Dr. Montessori said, the greatness of the human personality begins at the hour of birth, and you, as their parent and guide or caregiver are just the perfect person for that job. I'm so, so honored to be even a small part on your journey. And just remember that we're in this together.